In this episode series, I thought we'd take a look at hosting a static website on AWS using S3, CloudFront, and Route 53. The plan is to register a domain, create a simple static website, and have it running on AWS all for just a few bucks a month. You're actually looking at the final product of what we're going to create throughout this series. It's a simple static website hosted on AWS using the custom domain websiteinacloud.com. But there's something special about this site. It is actually hosted entirely on the CloudFront content delivery network meaning that it's likely cached geographically close to you. There are many reasons why you might want to host a static website besides just page load times. Maybe you have some personal blog, a side project landing page, or even a corporate initiative where you need some type of web presence. For example, say that you had a massive influx of traffic. You might not even know about it because CloudFront will seamlessly handle it for you. Okay, so now that you know what we're going to do and why you might want to do it, how do we get started? Well, Amazon actually has a great guide on how to host static websites on AWS, and it's a great reference. They sum it up pretty well, as the ability to easily and inexpensively use AWS to host static website content. Then over here, they've broken it up into the various steps that you can follow. We're not actually going to follow this guide because I like to do things in a little bit of a different order, but I just wanted to show you this at the outset as it's packed with useful information. The general theme of what we're going to cover is summed up nicely here where we're going to configure an S3 bucket to host our website, speed up access to that S3 bucket via the CloudFront content delivery network, and finally, we're going to associate our custom domain, websiteinthecloud.com, with the CloudFront distribution. I've thrown together a few diagrams, as it should give you a pretty good idea of what we're trying to do, and I think it helps explain something complex rather quickly. First, we're going to start out with the new S3 bucket. Since I'm not sure how familiar you are with AWS, S3 stands for Simple Storage Service, and it's basically like cloud storage on steroids. You can create S3 buckets in the various AWS regions where AWS has data centers, but this bucket will be located in the US. Next, we'll configure CloudFront. This is the geographically distributed content delivery network, which helps us improve page load times by locating content close to end users. Basically, instead of having our website only hosted in the US on S3, we can cache it in various edge locations around the world, in this case, US, Europe, and Asia. Finally, we're going to purchase the domain websiteinacloud.com, so we need some way of resolving the domain to an IP address via a name server. For this, we're going to use Route 53, which is an AWS-hosted DNS solution. Funny enough, I downloaded the AWS icon pack where they give you the logos of the various AWS services. Not sure why this is a sheriff's badge though. Okay, so at this point, all we need is some example website content to put in the S3 bucket down here. And we have a working static website hosted on AWS using S3, CloudFront, and Route 53. We're going to use the Bootstrap framework along with a free theme to create the static website you viewed just a couple minutes ago. For lack of a better name, I'm going to call this the full CloudFront solution and we'll compare it with a similar static hosting architecture in just a minute. So how does something like this work? Well, let's say we open up a browser and make a connection to websiteinthecloud.com. We're going to hit Route 53 since our domain's DNS records are stored there. This will point us to a geographically close CloudFront distribution where the Apex domain websiteinthecloud.com is cached. Since this will be our first request, this will result in a cache miss. CloudFront will reach into the S3 bucket where our static website is stored and fetch the index.html page, seamlessly returning it to the end user. The more times this happens for various pages, the CloudFront cache will become populated with our site, so you can service huge amounts of traffic directly to servers that are geographically close to your end users. The default TTL for cached objects in CloudFront is 24 hours. 
What this means is that CloudFront will expire items in the cache after 24 hours, so it'll reach into your S3 bucket and pull up a fresh version. But this will be seamless to end users. I actually used this exact model for well over a year while serving up requests on this website. It gave me the flexibility not to have to worry about hosting a website, especially one that wasn't getting much traffic, so the pay-as-you-go part of AWS really helped. There's a funny story about this though. Someone posted my site to Reddit when I was first starting out, and it gave me a massive influx of traffic for a couple days. I never even knew about it until I was casually checking Google Analytics and noticed that over 200 people were on my site. To say I was floored would be an understatement. When you're used to getting 10 hits a day and all of a sudden there's 200 people on the site at one time, it was pretty exciting. Now if I was using some type of content management system, this could have turned into a curse, and I might have suffered from the Slashdot effect. Basically in full panic mode trying to add additional capacity to service the influx of unexpected traffic, crossing my fingers that the site doesn't die. About a day or two later, the traffic was back to normal and I was pretty happy my little static solution worked out well. So that's a little war story for you. There's another static hosting architecture that I want to review before we configure all this. This is a bit of a hybrid model, in that we use S3 and CloudFront at the same time. S3 serves our main website and CloudFront just for assets, things like images, style sheets, and JavaScript. So we have S3 here, again hosted out of a US data center. This will serve websiteintocloud.com along with www.websiteintocloud.com. Then we'll configure something like assets.websiteintocloud.com sitting on CloudFront for images, style sheets, and JavaScript. We'll use Route 53 again, but rather than point our domain directly at CloudFront, like we did last time, We'll configure the main site to be pointed at S3 and the assets coming off CloudFront. Then we can push our website to S3 just like we did before. And I'm just going to call this the hybrid S3 CloudFront static hosting model. We're not actually going to configure this hybrid model as I want to focus on the fully CloudFront static hosting option. But we will talk about it as we go along. It will be really easy to go that road if you want. By the way, I've totally made up these names. I just wanted something to reference throughout this series so that you know what I'm talking about. So let's review how requests might flow in this architecture. Somebody makes a request for websiteintercloud.com, and since Route 53 is acting as our name server, it'll handle the request. It points the person at our S3 bucket, hosting the Apex domain, websiteintercloud.com. They download the index.html page, and this page has some includes, things like images, style sheets, and JavaScript, which just so happen to be hosted on assets.websiteintercloud.com, served via CloudFront. There is a cache miss, just like before, since CloudFront doesn't know about this object and doesn't have it in cache, so CloudFront will reach into our S3 bucket and return the files to the end user, and the cache is now primed. So if you have a huge influx of traffic, our S3 bucket might serve a fraction of that total traffic, but the bulk of it will be fired off to CloudFront for things like bulky images and common includes. The cool thing about all of this is that it's pretty seamless to the end user, in that if there's any cache misses, CloudFront will seamlessly serve them too by pulling the files out of S3 and then returning them. The reason I call this a hybrid architecture is that we can swap out S3 here, say for example a virtual machine running our dynamic content. And the source of where CloudFront pulls files from doesn't need to be an S3 bucket, it can be a web server too. For example, say that you had some type of web app where you needed to support user logins and you wanted to speed up the site. This is the configuration that I actually use today, and this episode is served off of it, so hopefully it was speedy. But I really wanted to focus on static content for this episode series, and in the future we can talk about scaling dynamic sites as it's a pretty huge topic. Maybe this was a little long-winded with these diagrams, but I really want to set the stage so that you know what we're trying to do, and why we're trying to do it. 
So before we go and register the website in a cloud.com domain, I just wanted to address a couple things, especially if you're new to AWS. One thing that comes up all the time is, well, if AWS is pay as you go, how can I estimate my bill? What is something like this setup gonna cost me? Well, there's a great site called AWS Simple Monthly Calculator, and it'll help you estimate the monthly costs. So I just wanted to quickly show you it and we can mock up our environment. Down here on the left-hand side, you can see the various service offerings from AWS, things like S3, Route 53, and CloudFront. You can see up here this free usage tier checkbox. AWS offers heavy discounts for new users so that you can play around with things and not pay too much. Let's uncheck that for now so that we get the worst case scenario costing of what our mocked up environment will run us. Under the S3 offering here, let's say that we're going to use uh, one gig of storage. So that is just going to cost us a few cents a month. With S3, you actually pay by the request for things like put and get requests. So let's say that when we upload the site, we're gonna use 10,000 put requests and 100,000 get requests. Then we need to estimate the bandwidth used, but since we're gonna have CloudFront sitting in front of this S3 bucket serving all of the requests, bandwidth shouldn't be too crazy. Let's say two gigs interregion. This means transfers from when CloudFront pulls files out of our S3 bucket to populate the cache then one gig each for data transfer in and data transfer out of S3 as we upload our website content. As you can see, hosting a small website on AWS with just S3 is dirt cheap. But now let's see what Route 53 and CloudFront adds to the bill. If you're thinking about moving over to AWS, just look at your current stats and plug those numbers into this calculator, and I would think that would give you a pretty good idea of what you're going to be looking at. Next, let's head over to the Route 53 tab here. We're going to configure one hosted zone for our websiteinthecloud.com domain. With Route 53, you pay by the millions of DNS queries served. So the smallest we can choose is 1 million, but for our small site, that should be more than sufficient. Finally, let's head over to the CloudFront tab. So the big one here is bandwidth. For a small site, 50 gigs a month is probably more than sufficient. Then down here, this edge location traffic distribution comes into play too, in that some regions cost more. I would suggest you play around with these values too. Say for example that you know most of your traffic is going to be coming from the USA or Europe. Then the bill could drastically drop as bandwidth charges from these edge locations are cheaper. When we actually go and set up a CloudFront distribution in a later episode, you can actually select the price class that you want, which will limit the regions your content is cached in, and this will help you shape your billing profile. Okay, so I think that's about it. We have our S3 bucket configured. Route 53 is configured, and we have a default profile for CloudFront. And as you can see, for just a few dollars a month, you get access to an extremely cool hosting solution. If you're new to AWS, then you qualify for the free tier. And as you can see, this drastically reduces the price for 12 months. You can actually click into the estimated monthly bill tab here, and you can kind of expand these little dropdowns to view what the charges would be. Maybe you have some type of startup you're working on or some type of business initiative and you think AWS might be a solution. You can kind of come into this calculator and mock up the various uh, architectures and see what they'd cost. But if you're new to AWS, the free tier is absolutely awesome. And you can actually check out the free tier page where you can walk through the various allocations provided, like compute, storage, database, and CloudFront. Okay, so that's basically what this series is about. Now let's go register our domain. My domain register of choice is Namecheap, as they just work for me and I've never had any issues with them. Surprisingly enough, when I was brainstorming ideas for this episode, the kind of theme that I came up with was a website in the cloud. So I was pretty happy to see that websiteinthecloud.com was available. So for this episode, we'll just use the websiteinthecloud.com domain. 
I picked up Who Is Guard just because I hate getting spam from public Who Is records. And I also picked up an SSL certificate for a couple bucks. My thinking is that maybe we can create a follow-up episode where we'll add SSL to this domain via AWS. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Throughout the rest of this series, we'll build out this fully configured CloudFront solution, hosting the Apex or root domain websiteintocloud.com along with www.websiteintocloud.com. By proxy of all this, you'll learn about this hybrid model too, because the steps are almost exactly the same. All right, that concludes this episode. Thanks for watching. If you would like to get notified about future episodes, please subscribe to my mailing list. You can do this by going to the Get Notified link in the header and entering your email address. Have questions, comments, or concerns about this episode? What about episode ideas? I'd love to hear your feedback, either good or bad. Shoot me an email, justin at sysadmincasts.com.